0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the host of the Injured List Podcast, Brian Scott.
1: Colin, for that wonderful introduction. This is your host, Brian Scott of the IndraList podcast, your go-to resource for all things related to sports injuries. Proud new member of the Blue Wire podcast community. Now, as many of you know already, I am a physician assistant. I currently practice in orthopedic surgery and sports medicine. But what many of you do not realize is that I actually work almost exclusively with our foot and ankle surgeon, and nobody prescribes insoles for people's shoes more than us. Well, today's episode is actually brought to you by Fulton, a modern brand of arch support. Uh, they launched the most comfortable, supportive, and sustainable insole on the planet. Fulton insoles have a deep heel cup and comfortable arch support that aligns your body from head to toe. They're made using sustainable materials like vegan cactus leather and cork, which allows them to mold to the shape of your arch and provide customized support. They're also shock absorbing, which means they reduce the impact on the body, and they're aligned with a natural foam to make them extra comfortable. These are the ideal insoles for not only our patients, but for us as well, when we're standing sometimes for long hours doing complex foot and ankle surgeries in the operating room, sometimes several days a week. Now, Fulton's offering our listeners $10 off your next purchase at walkfulton.com by using the code POD10. That's code pod D one zero for $10 off at walkfulton.com. Check out the website to see how Fulton can support you. And we have a very special guest on the show today by the name of Kimberly Brady. She is the founder and business coach behind Kim Brady Business Coaching, which you can find online at www.kimbradybusinesscoaching.com. And she helps former athletes leverage their athletic experience and philosophies to become champions on the business playing field. Her area of expertise is small business startups, mindset training, team building, and leadership development. Now, she's a former marriage and family therapist, who specialized initially in working with severely abused children. But in her past, she was a four-year Division I scholarship recipient for women's soccer at UC Berkeley in California. And she's coached youth soccer for the past 14 years. And she's the founder and former president of Little Bit Cleaning, which was located in Denver, Colorado. She successfully sold that in 2020 after 10 years of ownership. And her energy and enthusiasm to help others succeed and achieve their goals on and off the athletic field is is unmatched. She's got a passion for learning and believing that just because we no longer compete in sport does not mean we have to lose that athletic mindset to build a business or create the future we desire. When she's not working with her clients, you'll find Kim watching soccer, traveling whenever possible, and chasing sunsets by the beach. Um, She's here today to discuss not only her athletic past, but her injury past as she, throughout her career, Uh, had some significant injuries that uh, almost uh, threatened to derail her uh, collegiate career. So she's going to talk to us about that. And she's going to really give us some great insight into how that experience throughout her playing days um, really shaped and molded her and allowed her to transition into a successful uh, business uh, life and entrepreneurship. So sit with us. We'll be right back with Kim Brady.
0: This is the Injured List Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Are you interested in being a guest on the show? Or do you know someone who would make a good guest? Want Brian Scott to be on your show? If so, share the podcast with your friends. Or drop us a line and we will get back to you right away email us at TheInjuredList411 at gmail.com or visit our website at www.TheInjuredList.com.
1: Kim, welcome. You know, our podcast deals with a lot about injuries in sport, but I use that platform to kind of branch out into the many facets of sports and athletics and kind of tie in injuries to all those different areas. And in your case... Seeing as how you're a successful business person, entrepreneur, business coach, soccer coach still, and a former athlete, having been at a pretty high level, I mean, playing Division One soccer at UC Berkeley, how is it that throughout your career, which I'm sure you've had some injuries, that you are able to take your experiences from those injuries and kind of transfer that into your current career when you were done playing and now entering the business world?
2: Yeah, absolutely. First I want to say thank you for having me. I appreciate you reaching out to me. That's awesome. And the amount of injuries that I've had are kind of a different some are very similar for 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 soccer players and others are not. Most soccer players that I know have had ACL injuries or pretty serious ankle sprains and things like that. And and weirdly, those were not the injuries that I went through. So, thankfully my knees and my ankles were pretty solid. Um my I did break my ankle when I was 13.
1: Okay. That's uh, pretty young. And
2: it was young yeah. and it was really kind of a very fluke thing, no intentional thing. And I broke right. my foot and actually walked on it for a day thinking that I was fine. Coach tried to put me back in and then I was in severe pain and then went to the doctor and like, no, you broke it in three places and there's bone oh, shifts all over. We need to make sure that you oh, no. <laughs> fix this. So um it did affect my freshman year varsity high school soccer. A okay. little bit, not it was off season, thankfully, for the varsity team. I was the only freshman on varsity as a as a little kid. I was really little. I was thirteen and ninety-eight pounds and by oh, four. I was just tiny. And
1: and on and, varsity. That's pretty impressive.
2: Yeah. All four years of varsity, played every single game. And I just was surrounded by people bigger, faster, stronger than me. And the the injury was in my club team. So I went through the typical, you know, six weeks in a cast and all that stuff and a little bit of rehab. The weird thing was in high school, I can tell it to you this day, I can envision it, was the very first time I hurt my back. But ironically, we didn't know until I was 29 what I actually did to it. So that's kind of crazy. I kicked a soccer ball all the way across the soccer field with no pressure on me at all and immediately crumpled on the ground and was in severe back pain with back spasms. So we thought it was muscular. My entire soccer career, we thought that I had a weak core, that I needed to strengthen all of my core muscles, that I needed to do better flexibility and stretching, going to chiropractic and physical therapy, um, E-STEM, ICE, you know, I was going through all that stuff, you know, over 30 years ago, trying to fix this back issue that I had had. You know, there were times that I could get myself strong and it was doing really well and competing year round, playing for ODP teams and state and club and high school. And then when I go to college, you go through tryouts. And as you know, those tryouts are intense. Oh, yeah, they are. Those tryouts are really, really intense. And I could barely make it through tryouts every year because my body broke down. I just couldn't compete. My body would, my back would go into spasm. It would become weak. And we couldn't really figure out why. And no one really put me through an MRI. So that was the one piece that we didn't see. We didn't really see any bone structure issues. And so I competed my entire career on what we now know was a stress fracture in my L5 vertebrae that entire time.
1: So did you ever have what type of symptoms were you having when all this was going on? I mean, because for most people that's it's pretty debilitating. So it's remarkable that you're it, it play. wasn't
2: easy. I mean, I was, I would go, Not,
1: I don't doubt that
2: <laughs> I would, I would go to the personal trainer basically like is in college. For example, I would go to the trainer about two hours before practice. They would do all kinds of ice therapy, STEM therapy work, you know, stretching me, doing all this stuff. And then I would go train at practice from four to 6 PM and go back to the trainer for like an hour to help minimize any, any, you know, muscular pain, basically. And then I'd go study and I'd do repeat, you know, and then you go traveling and do all this stuff. So you
1: were, it's safe to say you were living in the training room.
2: Living in the training room. My trainers were the most amazing people ever. I I literally adore them. I'm friends with, with one of them. I still talk to, she, she's um, a friend of mine. She was a student trainer. And then the trainer who was there, she has retired since, but everybody knows her Smitty. She was amazing. Um, and yeah, I'm beyond grateful. They literally patched me up so I could compete. I mean, I'm grateful. For uh, you.
1: I I've been there, as you know, uh, I used to be an athletic trainer as well before I became a PA.
2: Yeah. You guys, you guys are the lifeblood of all of us as collegiate athletes to help us get back on the field. So hats off to you.
1: Yeah. No, thank you. It's, uh, it's cool. You know, I, we, we get, we, in, in a, in a lot of ways, a lot of the former, um, or the, a lot of the athletic trainers I worked with throughout my former career. <laughs> we all kind of lived a little bit vicariously through our athletes and uh, we took a lot of pride in keeping them out there, keeping them going and uh, keeping them healthy. So it, it, it was, I'm sure uh, in your case, your trainers were ecstatic that they were able to keep you performing at such a high level. And then I'm sure when they found out what you had going on, they were probably in just as much shock as I am hearing about it now.
2: (laughs) Well, ironically, they weren't the ones that found out about it. So I, after I was done competing, I just kind of lived my, my life like a normal human being. You know, I went to graduate school and and did all the things because female athletes at the time, unless you were truly at, like on the women's national team, the, the professional circuit was not available to you at that time. And so I did what yeah. traditional students do, go to grad school, get a career path, et cetera. And when I had gone to Michigan after and graduated from graduate school, I was at Western Michigan and they people had asked me to play semi-pro and I was like no I'm not going to do that I really hit my elite level and my body hurts you know I did have eight concussions through my career so I have dealt with those so it was concussions and back injuries the back injury wasn't found until I I was in Colorado I had moved from Michigan to Colorado and I was I decided to you know come out of retirement as I call it so 29 and I was like all right I'll play semi-pro and we went to a tournament in Vegas And you know, we were in an 18 passenger van and me being the little one, they sat me on someone's lap and I'm sitting all hunched over. We're stuck in traffic in this in the strip. And the next thing I know, my back seizes up and I'm in such severe pain that and I can't sit up, I can't stand up. You have everybody packed in the in the van, an hour-long drive along the strip to try to get us to the hotel room. And I they had to carry me out of the van and I was in like fetal position on the ground because I couldn't stand up. I couldn't. Put my back up, so it must
1: have just caught up with you all at once in that one moment, huh?
2: Yeah, and so we did have. Thankfully, we had an acupuncturist and a a massage therapist on our trip, and they pretty much patched me up enough to be able to play for the weekend to move my muscles around. And they're like, "We need to get you to the orthopedic surgeon because we do not know what's wrong with you." And I go to the orthopedist, and he's the one who actually did the X-rays, and he put me in the MRI. He's like, "Why hasn't a doctor done this for you?" And I was like, "I don't know." And he goes. Kim, you've been competing this entire time on a stress fracture. It's massive. Do you see this? And I was like, first time ever I've seen it. He's like, how important is it for you to compete? And I said, it's more important for me to walk when I'm 80 than it is for me to compete. I, I hit my elite level when I was a, col- a college athlete. I don't have to do this. And that was when I walked away from playing. Was
1: That's a tough thing for a lot of athletes to come to terms with too, that being at that point where they're like, you know what? Uh, my good days are a bit behind me. Time to move on.
2: I think because of where I was, where I went to college, the players I had the privilege of playing with, when I left my collegiate career and knew at that time that that my collegiate career was was complete, I left at the highest level I knew I could have ever competed. So for me, doing a semi-pro, silly, kind of easy breezy thing it was easier to walk away at that point than it was to leave it when I was a collegiate athlete. My identity as a collegiate athlete was devastating to lose back then. But at 29, it was more like, oh, I was doing this for fun anyway. So, you know, for me to step back and go, I'd like to be 80 and walk and not, you know, and I think the biggest bummer was when he had to tell me that I wasn't allowed to learn to snowboard. I had moved to Colorado. I was like excited. Maybe I could try to do another sport. I love, you know, seeing people surf in California. That's where I'm from. And I was like, maybe I'll learn to snowboard. And he goes, no, you are not allowed to learn to snowboard. You'll end up falling on your bum. And, you know, that's the impact on that L5. And I was like, oh, got it. So that was more of a bummer that I couldn't learn a new sport like
1: that. It's a, it's a very common story that I hear with a lot of former athletes where whether their career took them up through high school and that was it, or they were able to go on and play collegiately and then ended their career. At some point, it almost seems like, They were taken down, not necessarily in the height of their career, but after the fact where they tried to venture out and do something else physical or some other type of uh, sport and and either sustained an injury or had some type of uh, personal event that came crashing down on them that made them realize like, well, there is life after sport. and Now it's time to maybe get onto it. So (laughs) sounds like for you, it was uh, when you were 29 and had to deal with that back problem. For me, it was when I was 18, and I blew my knee out skiing. My my career ended in high school, and never really got started in college. But uh, I quickly realized, maybe a little bit younger than you, that uh, time to move on and look elsewhere. So, now you mentioned earlier that you lived in the training room. You had a lot of good relationship with some of the athletic trainers that you forged over the years, and uh, still keep in touch with. And uh, I can say that I've developed a lot of uh, relationships with my former athletes as well, and still communicate with a lot of them today. What at what point do you think that you felt, okay, I can trust these guys. I know that they're here for my benefit. Because I know a lot of athletes at some point in their career are either really hesitant about going to the athletic training staff or the healthcare team, find it as almost like a taboo to walk in there and say, hey, I'm, I'm injured or, hey, this something's going on. Can you help me? Because they're afraid that they might not walk out or they might lose their starting spot or that it might be frowned upon by the coaching staff or the athletic administration staff. So. Was there a moment that you can recall where you were like, oh, I'm so glad these people are here. I I wish I had come in sooner or, you know, this thing happened and I'm so glad that I came in and I know I can trust them now. Is there a a moment that stands out in your mind?
2: Well, I think there's something special about the the Cal women's soccer program at, at Berkeley anyway. I mean, we're, we're kind of our own anomaly. We have a very special group of women over four decades of, women's soccer players, um, 10 years prior to my arrival, the and the coach that had recruited me was the original um, person who started women's soccer at Cal. So when you have that investment and trust in your team and your coaches, that they wouldn't, You, it, I really trusted them. I trusted my teammates, I trusted my coaches, and I trusted that they had my best interest at heart. And the beautiful thing about Cal, everybody knows, anybody who knows me knows I bleed blue and gold. I don't bleed red. I truly love the college that I went to, not just as an athlete, but as an academic person. And I took science classes when I didn't need to. I took, I minored in African American studies to learn about things different for me. So when you when you're with those people, you're surrounded by brilliant people. And the athletic trainers are, are brilliant people. They're studying to become doctors or studying to do things, to understand the human body and to get you back on the pitch or in the pool or or on the court. And I don't think I had to have a switch of trust. It was ingrained in us that these people were here to allow you to compete. And the more you invested in your recovery, which again, a lot of people were would shy away from, I think back then the importance of recovery, um, and the importance of, of taking care of your body and listening to your body, that was kind of ingrained in us from the beginning. I was 17 when I went to college. So again, I had to send paperwork home before I could travel. I was still a kid. So again, I was young and, and a little naive, and so I did trust people. I never had any issue in those four years that I was there that my trainers did anything that was inappropriate or anything that I couldn't trust, and I for that I'm grateful.
1: Um, that, that sounds like you had a great experience and that's really, um, I, I think that gets a lot really overshadowed and probably not talked enough about, um, it often gets put kind of on the back burner because it's behind the scenes, most of what, what occurs there. And, uh, a lot of times in the media or the press, or, uh, you don't really hear much about that part of the game or the sport or collegiate athletics in general. So it tends to just be one of those things that if you're in it, you know it and you know how it goes. And when you're there, you appreciate it. And um, from an athletic training perspective, we all we always do that the athletes respected and appreciated our our efforts, even though we may not have uh, always gotten all the glory or any of the glory, for that matter. <laughs> but um, but it it it's nice to see that uh, you had a great relationship, and I can say that where I was too was very similar with regards to working with the teams and athletes that we worked with. So
2: oftentimes people forget that. The only way that athletes are able to get to the levels that they are, are from a multitude of people surrounding them. Yes. It's the work ethic, the discipline and the training, but there's a support crew all around elite athletes to be able to perform at those highest levels. So, you know, it may not be talked about, but it's definitely needed and wanted and warranted. For yeah, certainly.
1: sure. and And even in individual sports, I mean, there's always something or someone or some other people in the background that are, Helping that person succeed and forge onward and improve their skill set and and, and make it to another level or improve or win that championship or, or succeed at that particular sport. Which brings me to your business, because in a way, what you do with your business coaching has a lot to do with being a team player and helping people forge onward and develop new careers, new businesses. So. Explain to me how you think that your previous experience as an athlete and being injured and using those things you learned throughout that process transitioned into your business. Because you've owned businesses, you've had successful businesses, and now you've kind of transitioned more into helping other people start businesses and new careers. And you work with a lot of former athletes, is that correct? Correct.
2: Yeah, I think... I always say this to people, once an athlete, always an athlete. You can take me off the soccer field, but you can't take the soccer out of me. And that athletic identity that, that we talked about earlier in the in this conversation and losing that feeling of once you're done with your sport, who are you? And that identity of like, who, who am I? And even in graduate school, I used to be a family therapist. That's what I went to graduate school for. So I worked with abused and neglected children for about seven years. And just got really burned out. I didn't really have an identity at that point. I didn't want to live in Michigan any longer. I couldn't afford to move back home to California, so I was like, Denver sounds great. You know, I had fulfilled requirements to to be a therapist in Colorado. They required more more licensing, more stuff. So I fulfilled all that requirement. But then when I got to Colorado, I just was like, I don't want to do this anymore. My family was like, What are you doing? You're leaving your entire career path. You're leaving everything you went to school for. What are you going to do? I'm like. I have no idea, but I have a people degree and I want to learn how to make some money. And so I chose to go to Enterprise Rent a Car, which is one of the biggest corporations in the country that seeks out former student athletes. Really? I had no idea. Yeah, they have, because it's a sales training model.
1: Yeah.
2: A lot of corporations who have high and intensive sales training pieces go after collegiate athletes because of our mindset. And so they have an entire system that makes yeah. sense to
1: me because a lot of the sales representatives that I work in the surgical field, yeah, in dealing with a lot of these surgical equipment companies and the surgical suppliers, a lot of them are also former athletes.
2: Absolutely, so that They're makes sense. Highly sought after for those reasons because yeah. we have a synergy in personality, discipline, drive, structure, team, goal-oriented, all those things. So. I, I went into these various sales positions over the course of about 10 years. But that was the weird piece, too, was I still was searching for that feeling to replace what it felt like to lose my soccer career. So even though you talk a little bit about that identity piece earlier, it was to step away from the field wasn't hard. It was wanting to replicate the feeling of being involved in my sport. So after 10 years of being in sales environments, um, I had come home to visit my my nephew who lives, we're from Southern California and I hadn't seen him for a little while and he's 19 and I was chatting with him and, and asking him, what do you want to do? What, what do you want to do with your life? Do you want to go to college? Do you want to pursue a trade? What do you want to do? It's like, I think I really want to be a chef, blah, blah, blah. And I said, sweet, you know, I was so, so supportive of him. And he goes, you know what, Aunt Cam? You're miserable. You're miserable doing your job. And he's like, you've been in my life and you supported me. But I'm really struggling with following your advice. And I was like, that is one heck of a mirror to have put in front of you. Yeah,
1: sure. And sure I was just
2: like, wow, I don't know. Probably what
1: you needed at that moment, right? I mean, 100%. It, sometimes what you, I you can't, you'll never see that in yourself. Sometimes you just need somebody to kind of point it out the obvious. And or from the mouth of the
2: babes, right? Like yeah. he's my, my nephew. <laughs> yeah. and, and so, two, three weeks later, I was working in a sales position for another national company and working with small business owners. So my job was to work with small business owners, accountants, um, bankers, insurance agents, et cetera. So that was my role and working with all of these advisors to help small business owners. And I quit that job with no safety net, no clue, said I was going to build a business because I was going to do something to prove to my nephew that I'm going to walk my talk. I was, I was no longer going to just go on this turn and burn feeling.
1: Hey, right and there, right there. I, if I had to guess, I would have said that you probably were a former athlete because I feel like it takes an athletic set of mindset to be able to, to take that type of risk, right? Because I mean, like you said, with the soccer tryouts and all those academies that you were involved with, I mean, there was an immense amount of pressure at young ages for some of these kids these days and teenagers to perform at a very high level in some really competitive leagues. And unless yes. you've been exposed to that at some point before, and right in order to take that leap into a business and a new career, like just out of the blue, like with, with no safety net. I mean, that, that takes some cojones part in the language, (laughs) but you know, so, I mean,
2: to me, it wasn't, see, to me, it wasn't risky because I had, I had changed careers. I had, I had moved across States, you know, I had traveled a lot. I think, I think, the beautiful thing about sport also allows to meet people from all different all different cultures, all different languages. I mean, soccer is a global sport. It's a beautiful game. You meet people all over the world. And there's times where you get cut from teams. You're yeah. not good enough to be there. And then you work your butt off and you go and you do it again and you surpass the goals you originally started
1: with. All right, quick and- quick interjection. Did you, you mentioned it's a global sport and I, I can vouch for that. Where I used to work, we had almost 75% of the team, if not more, was either from Norway or Africa. Mm-hmm. I, and I worked at a small division two school in New York. Can you tell me where, where, was, what was the kind of spread around your team in at UC Berkeley? Did you guys have a lot oh, well, of international that's players?
2: That's a different animal. Oh, really? So, again, you were in New York. We're in, in, at Cal. Yeah. Um, so to get into Cal with grades, et cetera, we didn't have as diverse of a team. I definitely oh, really? was more predominantly white. Yeah. Um, we did have a few people who were people of color. I came out as a lesbian when I was 17, so we did have some people who were LGBTQ. Yeah. So we had a little bit of of diversity in in various ways, but the majority of the team was white. Okay. Um but when we traveled, we yeah. traveled to Mexico or you traveled to Canada oh, and oh, wow. we traveled okay. across I think I've traveled to 35 states playing oh, nice. for my yeah. entire yeah. So you meet people from all over. Yeah, you definitely you guys
1: definitely hit more of a <laughs> had more of a, a range uh, to travel in within exactly. our teams played stayed pretty much uh within the region. We didn't really yeah. travel across yeah. country or anything.
2: Again, that there is there is privilege in that. And yeah. so being able to 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 recognize that and understand that not everybody had the same opportunities oh, sure, is yeah. is important. Yeah.
1: And I'm sure so, that that still plays a role too now in what you're doing.
2: 100% plays a role in what I do now. Cause I've, you know, when I, when I decided to quit that, that position, that job. And I said, I wanted to build a coffee shop. Okay. My nephew wanted to become a chef. I was like, look, I said, I was given an opportunity to go play soccer at Cal on a soccer scholarship. I want to give you the opportunity to come live with me in Colorado. I own my own home. I had purchased my own house. I said, I have a, a, a room and a, and a bathroom that could be yours. It's fully furnished. I'll give you the opportunity that I had. I'll teach you how to build a resume, teach you how to interview, I'll I'll teach you how to get a job and you have to pay a minimal, a minimal rent, I'll teach you how to budget, I'll do all those things, come live with me and I'll figure out the business side of it. And my financial advisor said, no, to, she put a kibosh on my entire idea, really? freaked me out, right? So my nephew's like, okay, I can, I'm coming, I'll... Come live with you, and then I had this OMO. Oh, well, can I swear? Oh shit! Moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can bleed it, leap it out later. No, I put, the, but, I put
1: the, I put the, I got the box checked <laughs> off as this explicit language.
2: <laughs> there you go, perfect. Um, and and I literally had this oh shit moment of like, now what am I gonna do? I, this is the thought. I had this goal. I had this dream. I had this drive. Right? She goes, Kim, your goal is actually to move home to California if you purchase a brick and mortar style coffee shop to try to bring California to Denver. Cause that was like the vibe I wanted all this kind of sure, stuff. Yeah. She goes, you're going to be anchored there. And that's not what you want. So again, the mirror from my nephew and yeah. the best no I've ever heard. <laughs> and taking that criticism and advice is crucial. Again, that's an athlete being able to take feedback and going, yes, okay, now absolutely. what, now what do I do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That so, constructive
1: criticism is, I mean, you have to have that. You have to be able to accept that. You have that. to, yeah.
2: and you have to, if those are your advisors take their advice for a reason. She was bigger, faster, smarter than me. Right. Yeah. So she said, come up with another idea and figure out the path and journey that you need to go on so you can get home. So over time, I, it took me a little while to figure it out, but I ended up building a cleaning company from scratch and I did it all on soccer principles, literally on soccer principles. I'd never taken a business class. Who am I to take to say I should be in business? I, whatever. I love that I love my naivete sometimes just straight up stupid, but I did it anyway. It's like jump off the cliff and build a parachute on the way down. (laughs) And (laughs) and so I built this this cleaning business and I built it on these principles of what are the what are the things that I fundamentally need to have in order to build something to to put a roof over my head? And my nephew said. And so one of them was I must help others. That's just my nature the other was i must build a team yeah. how do i get enough money and leverage to build a team to make to be able to afford to move back home to california that's got to be there probably like
1: other. the the key ingredient i think right like i mean if you're building a business and you need to build a team having done that or having been part of a team before you know that you need to find people that maybe will make up your weaknesses and have Absolutely. some other strengths that maybe you are short fall short of that I mean, some people can't put their ego aside to do that
2: right yeah i I mean there trust me, business will humble you very quickly if you walk in with an ego. Your ego will literally shrink because you'll realize how much it takes to do something and to do it well um but the the part that I loved the most- be, building that business over ten years putting the foundation in place and my CPA, my, my attorney, you know, again, because I had had three years of working as a small business consultant, there were a lot of people that I could tap into in my network to, to pick their brain and say, do you think I could do this? Do you think I could build this business? And they all said, and this to me is probably the highest compliment I could get. They said, Kim, whatever you build, I trust you to do it. Right. And that gave me the confidence to say, no matter how much I don't know, These people trust me to do it right. And so that was important for me. And I had had at the time, I also had coached soccer for 13 years and had two national licenses that I got to school for. So again, always be willing to learn, be humble enough to learn. And so I built that business over 10 years. And in about year six, year seven, I started putting systems in place where I could travel back and forth to California. And puts these systems in place so that I could act as if I was working absentee. So I spent two years practicing working absentee while still living in Denver. And then when I was able to afford to move back home to California in 2017, all those systems and people were already in place. And even when I had been living in California for about a year, I went back to visit one of my clients. I always did high-touch customer service client-based stuff. And one of my clients said, I didn't even know that you had moved. <laughs> so I knew that I had done it right.
1: That's what thats and, what we know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And my, my nephew lived with me for periods of time. He's still in Denver. He's now 30, which is crazy. Yeah. And I sold my cleaning company two days before COVID hit last year before lockdown. So March 15th, I signed on the closing of, my, of the business, sale of the business. And two days later, wow. go straight into lockdown.
1: Oh, boy. Wow. That couldn't have worked out better for you probably.
2: And, yeah, but also a little crazy because I was I was hoping that I could travel and like do a few things for fun.
1: <laughs> and you, I mean, you might have been able to turn that into a COVID cleaning business.
2: <laughs> I well, yes, and so again, <laughs> finding finding a business that has the ability to make it through yeah really difficult times. Cleaning is something that is always needed. This is true. Um, and well,
1: the, and, the and adapting part, with the changing time, right? So yeah. that goes back speaks also to your athletic career and yeah. and and even I'll take it a step further because our podcast deals with sports injuries. So yes, learning how to adapt if you're injured or you're right. having to recover and you can't right. be performing at the same level or doing the same task that you were doing before you have to learn find another way. and that's Absolutely. one of the things I always struggle with with my athletes was always trying to explain to them that yes you're hurt. yes, you may not be cleared to play or you shouldn't be playing. Right. but we're going to find something else for you to do and you're going to stay involved and you might have to wear a different hat for the, for your teammates and for your coaching staff right. where you can still be part of the team, still participate and be a value. And 100%. even though you're not maybe stepping on the field and right. I'm sure you kind of have to do that throughout your business career now as well, where you have to adapt, maybe wear a different hat or kind of change your behavior or your, your technique or whatever to you? to, make things move, run smoothly, right?
2: Well, I had skin cancer through a period of time in 2015. So you speak right, right to that. Yeah. You can't really see the scars on my head now, but I had 36 staples and stitches in my head. I had four, three passes of most procedures, a four by six hole in my head that went all the way through. The, like, yeah, it was insane. And I was out of work for a month and had to depend on my team to keep the business going. And being able to entrust them, again, when you ask questions of like, do you trust your athletic trainer or trusting your doctors, when when you build a company and you build it from the ground up, you get to hand select those people that work side by side with you and they trust you and you trust them. So when I had to tell them that I had been diagnosed with skin cancer and what the procedures were, that my life wasn't in, gi- in danger, but that I physically wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things I needed to do, we could plan for it. And to trust them with my business, I was able to do certain things. I got an infection immediately. I couldn't see for like a week because it swelled my eyes shut. I couldn't wear my contacts. Um, and, And, you know, I had this massive hole in my head and I needed to trust them. And the power of team and the power of sport completely translates in business. And it's the only thing that replicated that feeling for me of team and purpose and a collective vision was building my company and that's mm-hmm. what I love
1: So you were at at that time you were you were on the injured list I right? was and I say that the uh, a self shameless self plug there self
2: plug <laughs> you bet yeah that's why when you when you and I were first talking about this I was like oh Brian I have stories for you there. I have stories for you um, and your teammates and yeah, stepped so, up,
1: and they took they, they took the torch for you, which is awesome. I mean, that's why, like, I always tell you know my athletes too. Like, listen, they'll be fine without you. Yeah, you're an yeah. important cog in the in the wheel, but you know, you are still important, and right. they'll know how important you are, even though you're not out there. And and they'll appreciate right. you helping out in another way too. So, yeah, bring out that, that's and, a great classic, very great a great example. I mean, what you just said. yeah,
2: it's just it's it's sports and business. They're they're I'm passionate about them both. And, you know, that segue where you're asking, you know, how in the world did you get into the business coaching thing? And how do you help people from an athletic perspective? It really comes from from that. I don't have any other um, framework of thinking. It's the years and years and years of, of being an athlete and being surrounded by athletes. And so when I first decided, you know, my friends are the ones who basically kicked my butt into gear and said, you've been doing this for years. You do this for free for people, because you own your own business. I, I would sit down with other small business owners and go, this is precisely what I did. This is how I built it. Here's how I'm willing to help you. And they're like, why aren't you getting paid for this? Why aren't you like really doing this? And I said, because I was building my other business. I didn't think about it. And so my friends were like, you're kind of like this trifecta. You have the therapy background from being a therapist and managing people with all different personalities. You played soccer your entire life. You've been a soccer coach for 13 years. And you built a company, you scaled a company, and you sold a company. And a lot of business coaches have never done that part. They've built their consulting business, but they haven't necessarily built a business, scaled it, and sold it. That's a service based, labor based business and absentee in another state. And so I was like, oh, and they're like, don't you realize that that's like really powerful that you can help other people? And I was like, I didn't really think that, you know, it didn't come to mind. Again, I think, it's because of that humility factor. There's so many people better than me at sport. There's so many people bigger, faster, stronger than me in business that it was just like, this was my thing to help raise my nephew. You know, like that was what I did.
1: Well, you know, sometimes until you step back and kind of look at things from afar, you know, if yeah. when especially if you're so ingrained in it, like you don't always see the value yeah. in what you're doing. Like as a soccer player, you know, you might've been like, oh, I was terrible or I was like one of those worst players on my team, when in fact, the little things that you were doing on a field, you may not have realized at the time were so important to the success of the whole team. Maybe maybe somebody else pointed that out to you later on in your career. You look back now and you're like, yeah, I, I really helped us you know, succeed. And you know what you just said um, in business is probably very similar where you're so focused on making that one company succeed and doing all these other things that you were doing at the same time until somebody pointed it out to you, hadn't really stepped back and looked at it.
2: And that's very similar to how I got into soccer coaching. It was, I had stepped away from, from playing and someone saw value in me. And he said, Hey, I really think that you would be a good soccer coach. My kids are 12 and 13. I, I think that a female athlete should help coach these players starting at this level. Will you please come coach my kids? This was back when I was 21 years old in graduate school. And so I got licensed back then to help coach his team, it's the exact same thing in business. It's like, what can I do to learn and to become a better business owner? And stepping into the coaching realm is exactly, it's like, I love seeing the success of the kids that I coach. I love seeing the success of the employees that worked for me. I love sharing the joy in their family and see the pain of of things that they've gone through, whether it's a death of a family member or something. You love people the same way. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. So doing the business coaching, that joy of seeing people's businesses flourish or seeing them get excited and helping them with their mindset to to do the work and to be focused and disciplined and to also follow their goals again, it's so synergistic and it it's so applicable. And I think the reason why athletes gravitate toward me when I first started doing this, a bunch of people, I said, "Hey, I'm going to do some free coaching. I want to test myself. Do I really think I can do this? I'm going to." give away 10 coaching sessions for people. And then I selected three of those people to go through process with me all for free. Every single one of them were former athletes from either collegiate or professional sport. And they said, the reason why we're coming to you is because you have this background. I was like, wow, I didn't realize I had this kind of niche until I took the time to do it. And now the majority of the people that reach out to me relate to that sports side whether they played at a high level or not it's more of a mindset it it doesn't matter to me what sport someone played it doesn't matter to me if if they're 60 years old and they were they retired NFL player it doesn't matter i want to help people
1: so well, kudos to you man cuz it sounds like you've got it you had it from the beginning
2: <laughs> i feel very lucky um but I also, I also just, I trust my friends. I really, I, I again, this goes back to the soccer community and, and I think for sports community, for a lot of people, but I know a lot of athletes who have been injured and in their career ending life altering injuries. Right. And you've seen this as a, and, and you witness it. And that impact And something that I don't think we do well in society or those of us who are in sport, especially student athletes, because we are a cog in the wheel to the university, or we are a paid entity. That's our job if you're a professional athlete. So if you get injured, you no longer matter to the club and they don't necessarily take care of you after the fact. Um, Yeah, they very
1: quickly will find someone else to fill your shoes for sure.
2: Correct. And so it's like, what are the skill sets that we need as human beings to be successful and resilient. And, you know, one of my best advisors was my, when I did my internship for my master's program and she went around the room, was a phenomenal therapist. There were a bunch of us green therapists coming in. And she was like, I think there were five of us at the table. And she said, define success. How do you know you'll be successful? Mind you, we were working with caseloads of very, very severe cases of abuse and neglect of very young children. Very difficult work, side-by-side with law enforcement, side-by-side with all all kinds of people. And you go around the room and you get all these bright-eyed, rosy glasses of everybody but me. And they're like, oh, well, if I work really hard and this kid succeeds and they get to stay in their home and they're no longer going to be abused and blah, 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 I'm successful. And she came around to me and I just said, I am not responsible for someone else's success. I said, you want to know what's going to make sure that I I stay or leave? And she's like, what? And I said, can I still put my head down at night knowing that I gave my best? If I can't sleep at night anymore and I'm having nightmares from the things that we've seen, I know I need to step away from this because that field is two to 10 year life span. Yeah. To do what we did,
1: oh, I'm sure I lasted seven years. <laughs> yeah, it <was> yeah, <laughs> I lasted
2: seven years, and I was done. I could no longer see that abuse in my in my everyday. Yeah, and so I'm a very internally driven person, and yet I really love and need the motivation and support from others. And that's the soccer side, right? And all of those things translate in business every single time or changing your careers are really scary for people. Yeah. For me, I'm like, do what you love, like go after it, like screw the other corporation and go do the thing you want to do. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Some of our athletes that are injured are like that, you know, you have some of them are very driven, but some of them need that uh, external influence to kind of just get them over the hump, especially if it's something they'd never been through before and dealt with it can be very, (laughs) very, uh, cycle, psychologically traumatic as well as physical so the teammates and coaches become really important in helping that athlete recover and keeping them focused on the goal and also reminding them that like despite the fact that they're hurt you know they're making a difference right you know they're they're making a difference and uh, I implore the coaches and and uh, athletes friends who know somebody who's injured to to stay positive for that person, help that person get through it. That means more to some of these athletes sometimes than you'll ever know. And even me as my, as the healthcare provider, I always try to, you know, make them remember that uh, even though they're, they're injured or recovering from an injury, or even if they've suffered a season ending or career ending injury, that their influence goes much further than their play on right. the field. You know?
2: And I think, I think that self-worth, is really important to instill in kids at a young age. I mean, I'm coaching soccer right now, and I have two kids out on concussion protocol. I have one kid that just had ACL surgery, you know, and being tied to them and, and connecting with them. And, and I think the therapeutic background helps on in my case too, because you cannot separate the physical from the mental impact of an injury on a person. So when you're doing your work on the medical side, the trifecta of aligning that person with the therapeutic Support team is also powerful and extremely important because you know I am a believer that that I can say I've sat on both sides of the couch. Right, I was a therapist. I go to therapy. I was a soccer player. I am a coach. I was a business owner. I do business coaching. That walking my talk is extremely important. Absolutely, and, and to be able to relate to athletes going through it, that connection is really important that they have both medical and mental health support.
1: Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more. You said, it, you said it perfectly. Today's episode is actually brought to you by Fulton, a modern brand of art support. Fulton launched the most comfortable, supportive, and sustainable info on the planet. Fulton believes wellness starts from the ground up, and that the feet are the foundation of our bodies. Fulton insoles offer comfortable arch support to align your body from head to toe mitigating pain, providing comfort and improving posture Fulton is creating a world where the shoes we wear are actually good for our bodies providing you with a sturdier foundation for a healthier future I prescribe them not only for my patients but I also wear them myself we sometimes spend hours on end in the operating room for several days a week and let me tell you, they help my feet feel great when I'm done despite being up standing all day Fulton's offering our listeners $10 off your next purchase at walkfulton.com by using the code PODCAST10. That's code PODCAST10 for $10 off at walkfulton.com. Check out the website to see how Fulton can support you.
0: You're listening to the Injured List Podcast with your host, Brian Scott, your go-to resource for all sport injury-related topics. For show notes and other resources, visit theinjuredlist.com. Back to the show.
1: Now, Kim, with your business, because I know there's a lot of athletes that listen to the podcast, and um, we're growing with our listeners every day, so I wanted to know if they are looking to branch out and do their thing and start a new career, maybe looking to get into the business world, as you did, how do they find you? How do they get in touch with you? Um, Your business is called Kim Brady Business Coaching. You have a website. You have a LinkedIn profile. You're on pretty much all the social media.
2: For the most part, yes.
1: So they can find you. I'm
2: not on TikTok. Sorry, guys. I'm not going to dance for you. Well, neither
1: neither am I. So don't feel bad about that. (laughs) I have no interest in TikTok, by the way. Uh, So Kim Brady, I would invest in
2: TikTok. When I'm wealthy enough, I'll go invest in things like TikTok. We'll, we'll talk.
1: We'll talk about that off air. Um, Kimberly Brady uh, is your full name. Um, that's how you come up on your LinkedIn profile. But tell the people listening how how they can find you and, and where Absolutely. what they could expect in in dealing with you and talking with you on your on the business side of things.
2: Oh, perfect! Thank you so much. So I'm I go by Kim Brady. I think if you look me up on LinkedIn, you can see Kimberly Brady or Kim Brady. Kim Brady Business Coaching is my website. I am on Instagram as Coach KB. Um, you can find me pretty much anywhere, um, Facebook, etc. I am doing a Sprint to Startup workshop on June 1st, and that's to invite folks who have a, who want to know what it would be like to work with me as their coach. It's a free workshop. It's um, <clears throat> it's for an hour long, and I'll be inviting people to do a Q and A who are truly interested in wanting to do coaching services with me. I walk people through the DIY version of how do you get started building your business. And how do you sprint to scale and get your beta test launch within 90 days? Um, I also am taking on one-on-one clients currently and would love to sit down and chat. People can speak with me via Zoom, obviously. And you can find me at Kim at com for email if you'd like to inquire. And you can go to my website directly if you want to set up an initial consultation. There's appointments that are available to you.
1: Nice. And I'm assuming you do a lot of your stuff virtually since... These yes. days, a lot of people have, are in COVID. We have COVID been in COVID. COVID. Yeah.
2: I cannot wait for the day to meet my clients <laughs> face-to-face, be able to travel a little bit. That is the goal, to be able to do both face-to-face coaching as well as, as online coaching, but currently it is online, yes. I got
1: to be honest, there's nothing better. I mean, I still, I'm kind of old school, I guess. There's nothing better than actually being able to physically meet the people you talk to online and you, with on an email. I mean, I still think that's a lost art, and I, uh, I, I think that's a good thing to do.
2: I, I had a conversation today, Brian, with someone. and I said, you know, I do business the old-fashioned way, the handshake and a smile. If I say I'm going to show up, I'm going to show up. If I say that I'm going to give you my best, I'll give you my best. And, and I built my business uh, 100% on word-of-mouth marketing for 10 years. I never bought an ad ever to build my company. And it really was about speaking highly about my team, my employees, and my clients, and taking care of them. And that's truly how I want to build this. I'm friends with people I've done. I've helped them build their business. I'm friends with them. Yeah, Just like awesome. you're friends yeah. with former athletes that no longer come yeah. to you. You're still in contact with them. How you do anything is how you do everything. It's yeah. a Tracy Hamm quote. She's a head coach at UC Davis. She's a dear friend of mine. And that's something she lives by. And, and so do I. And, and, you know, what you see is what you get.
1: Nice. So million dollar question now from me. And this, I'm going to catch you off guard here, but. Of all the injuries you had over the years, and and we heard about them and your back one was probably by far the worst. <laughs> how are how are you holding up now?
2: I'm sore a lot. Yeah. You could see me moving around on our Zoom thing and because of my I'm sitting and you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I have the ability to do a standing desk and I have stuff. Okay. Um, my body hurts. Yeah. Not gonna lie. My body hurts a lot. Um I can't I can't really do a lot of the things that I used to do with kids, but I can still crack a soccer ball in the upper 90 and prove to them that I used to nice. play so. That feels good. The good news is that I am healthy. I am physically able to still work out. I can go run. I can work out at the gym. I need to get into yoga, although I'm not good at it. (laughs) And I know it's not about being good at it. I don't enjoy it.
1: At all. Well, then I I say don't do it. I mean, if you don't enjoy it, then don't do it. I
2: don't enjoy it, but I know that the flexibility and the movements and things really... are. then
1: then find find something else that simulates that movement or those positions or those things, but that doesn't actually involve yoga.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I do get a giggle out of it when people are like, Kim, you need to do CrossFit. And I go, that is the last... last thing I would ever put this poor body through uh, I I don't even
1: get me started on let's CrossFit.
2: Do, yeah, let's throw weights high above my head yeah, and break my neck. That'd be great.
1: Well you got yeah. me beat. You're doing a hell of a lot more than I am these days. But <laughs> I think I might be older than you. I don't I don't even know. We won't get into that. We um, won't get into
2: that. I'm not one of the women that really cares about my age. <laughs> I, I love I love the fact I plan to live to be a hundred. Okay. I have a lot of things to do. Yeah, I hear you. Longevity is in my family and as I said to you earlier, I want to yeah. walk when I'm eighty, ninety years old. So I hear you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, there was one more question I was going to ask you, and now I can remember. <laughs> yeah. You caught you caught me off guard because you answered that question so well. That, oh, it's that just
2: honest. No, I, I'm, I know. But <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. Oh, so one thing that I will often have to encourage not only my athletes but just my general orthopedic patients is to trust me, and not even trust me, but. Believe me, when I tell you that you will get better, it's yeah. going to take a long time. You yeah. know, everybody wants to know, well, when can I get back out there? When's this going to be healed? When's the swelling going to stop? When's this going to happen? When's that going to happen? And any doctor that puts an infinite time on any of those things is probably just feeding you some false information to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. But I always tell patients, and, and maybe you can kind of respond to this, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes I don't, I just don't know. Um, but right. but in in a lot of things and especially a lot of surgeries and injuries, you know, it can sometimes take months or even years before you're actually feeling well again. That you forget that right. you've even had an injury or that you've even had surgery or that you've even been through something with that specific body part or whatever. Right. Can do, do you? Would you say now looking back that that's? I mean, what do you say to somebody who you know maybe one of your athletes now as a coach who's injured? And they're strugg- struggling or just frustrated that they're not getting better.
2: It's the same answer that I give my clients of, you know, this is not a, a get-rich-quick scheme. I'm not a business owner that's going to bullshit you until you're going to make seven figures starting your own company tomorrow. Anybody who tells you those things is lying to you. It's it's how fast or slow you go depends on your skill set, your belief, your effort, your energy, and just some fate and some hope in, in the universe. You know, injuries... You know, my injury, I'm kind of glad I didn't know the severity of it way back when. Can you imagine if I had gone to the orthopedist and they said you broke your back? My parents would have never let me set foot on the field. Yeah, again. your
1: your playing career would have been over before my you playing started. career would have yeah.
2: ended at 13. So my life would have completely been different. And that's what I always share with people that I got lucky. So, so and I'm I'm I honor that luck by doing my best to say, hey. I can teach you the steps. I can give you the tools. I can help you with the systems. How fast or how slow you go depends on you. I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to guide you. I'm here to give you that support. And ultimately, it's up to you to build your business or to help in your recovery process for your injury. Same thing that I tell my kiddos, you know, and especially when it comes to concussions. Um, the Because I had eight concussions and because... It's extremely important to me to protect the children that I coach. I coach 13 and 15 year old girls um, that their health and safety is first and foremost. And so often we throw kids right back on the field. We're seeing it with football, obviously with CTE, We're we're seeing all these things of concussive injuries, you know, and some of my kids have, have had concussions, not on the soccer field. They had accidents, two of them separately, not related. This year fell out of a golf cart and smashed their head on the concrete. And both of them have post-concussive syndrome and, you know, they can't get back on the field. And I keep checking in with the families and, you know, I keep telling them one of the moms said to me, Kim, you're the only coach that truly has told me the truth to tell my daughter that she can't play probably for a good six months and that I shouldn't spend the money on a new season as a parent to get her back on your team because she's not ready. And she's like, I really appreciate your honesty and I think that that's a job as a coach to understand that we're putting people through physical things in contact sports, and you know, rugby and football is collision sports, right? Boxing's collision, collision, collision. And I think that's really important to to tell people the truth, not to BS them, and and to be kind in the process.
1: You know, I just saw a study today, actually, that now that you're talking about concussions, that actually showed that and I don't want to get this wrong. I'm trying to look it up, but um, I believe it was a study that actually showed that women's soccer has some of the highest rates of concussions more so than any other sport. I think female soccer players were something, and I might be misquoting this. I apologize. It was something like they're eight to 10 times more likely to suffer a concussion during their playing career than any other sport, which is absolutely insane. And I had no, I had no idea that was even the case apparently there's been some studies that show have shown that now coming out.
2: Well, and it's interesting because what happens is, is they removed heading from sport, from soccer training. We weren't allowed to teach heading to young athletes. Well, then when I get them, they do it wrong. Yeah. And so I have to teach them how to put their arms up, how to protect their body, how to hold their head, where to hit the ball on their head. Um, even I call it chicken neck, that they just put their head out. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is not how you do that. Teaching proper jumping technique, teaching yeah. those things is so important. And, and, you know, when you don't teach proper technique, proper foundational skills of how to kick a ball or how to head, those are still skills that you have to teach. There's a fundamental process of how yeah. to teach that. And there's a natural... Aggression level that kids have and a fear level, right? So, kids, if they do get knocked, they're fearful and they should be because it doesn't feel good to hit your head against another human being.
1: Yeah. No. And it I don't recommend good you good.
2: try it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when I got my very first concussion, I remember the process, but I don't remember the landing. I had gone up for a header, I was a super aggressive player. I was tiny, but I was crazy. Um, And I went up for a header to score a goal, and the goalkeeper came out, punched through the ball and through my head. And then I don't remember. I've
1: seen that happen plenty of times.
2: Right. She didn't intend to hurt me. She did her job because her job is very dangerous too. Oh, yeah. It's
1: basically you or them. I mean. (laughs) Right. Yeah, Yeah, it's you or
2: them. Yeah. And she was much bigger than I was and older than I was, et cetera. And I had to go to the hospital, and they had to wake me up every 20 minutes. You you have a third-degree concussion. Your daughter didn't know her name. She didn't even know what's going on. And, you know, that was one of the most severe concussions, but it's also, you know, talking to your players about protective behavior and proper skills will help prevent injury versus not teaching them those things. I think we are doing a disservice to take away a skill set for so many years and then expect them to go into high school and to go into a club level and they don't have that basic foundation for a very fundamental skill that's used in our sport.
1: And you bring up a great, you bring up a great point in the, in the sense that, you know, yes, we're trying to protect all these kids and and athletes from having this happen. But if you start taking away some things from them, then they're not going to learn the proper techniques either, which is going to lead to as many, if not maybe more injuries down the road. And I think that might be part of the problem in football. You know, they don't really focus on teaching some of the proper tackling techniques. And they had a big movement of football years ago called the heads up tackling thing it was like this whole program the NFL put on. And this was mm-hmm. before like CTE stuff started coming out. Right, And I, I feel like they've gotten away from that because they don't want them doing certain drills and they don't want them doing certain things at practice. But what in effect they've done is taken away the teaching of proper tackling mechanics so that you don't get injured and don't get a concussion. Exactly well, I, like what you said.
2: And, and, and I've asked this question to several of my friends who are football players, professional football players as well. And, I, and, I, and I, I, I love talking with rugby players and I love talking with football players because obviously they're completely different sports. But I think we also do a disservice when we put our big old bowling ball head inside this helmet that makes people feel that they're invincible. Yeah. And then they go and they spear each other and they go hit each other. Yeah. If you take off and do pads off yeah. and you tackled someone the yeah. way well, that some of the NFL players are hitting each other, you're gonna kill someone.
1: Well it's funny Which, you mentioned that I was on another I was on another podcast as a guest just last week and they did a little trivia thing with me and one of the questions they asked me was about that exact topic and they asked me who gets more concussions, rugby players, football players, or soccer players or something. And then traditionally the answer has always been a football. And they've actually they've actually looked and researched the rugby and Australian rules, football teams over the years. And this is going, I'm dating myself, but this is going back like 15, 16, maybe even 20 years ago. And what the research always showed was that the incidence was much higher in American football. Yeah. And the reason w- was for what exactly you just said, they, because they have the helmets and the helmets make them invincible. And they're also not a natural part of their body. So when they're going into hit, you have incidental contact with this extra shell over your head <laughs> that you don't right. have in those other sports. And, um, right. you know, soccer too, like soccer, most of the things that happen in soccer are incidental or accidental. Right. You don't usually get a concussion from, from hitting the soccer ball unless you're doing it wrong right. or you're going up for a 50, 50 ball and you collide with another player. So and
2: the, the third one is landing and hitting your head on the ground.
1: Right. And that, and that right. can happen in any sport where there's, I mean, right. that can happen in any sport. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. Um, well, listen, I've got to shut it down at some point here. We could go all night talking about this stuff, but
2: I I appreciate your time.
1: Kim, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm going to just close you out here because you deserve it. You earned it. Kimberly Brady. I'm sorry. Kimberly Brady. She's a business coaching specialist. She does leadership development. She's a speaker. She helps a bunch of former athletes leverage their athletic philosophies to help them play professionally on the business playing field, not on the athletic playing field so much. Although she does still coach. So technically she does that too. Um, if you want to talk to her, find her on LinkedIn, find her on uh, Instagram, find her on Facebook, find her on her website. Uh, she will give you the information again, because I'll let her do it in case I screw up the editing. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Um, you're so go ahead and why don't you give yourself a plug there, that website. And I, you mentioned that you're doing that free seminar or a free webinar thing where people can kind of get an idea of what you do and how you do it.
2: Absolutely. So you can find me at Kim Brady, business coaching.com. That's my website. You can schedule a consultation with me through the website directly. You can email me directly at Kim at Kim Brady, business coaching.com can obviously find me on LinkedIn, Kimberly Brady and the webinar. It's a workshop. It's a sprint to start up. Workshop where I teach you a DIY way of how I started my company 11 years ago, how I started my business coaching business, and I teach you all those tools for free to understand what it would be like to work with me as your coach. You'll be given the opportunity to sign up with me. I'm only taking 10 coaching clients from that webinar um, to build a a true system and and group for people who want to do the Sprint to Startup program. So I would love to have people join and inquire, and would love to, to take on a few clients.
0: You're listening to the Injured List podcast with your host, Brian Scott, your go-to resource for all sport injury-related topics. For show notes and other resources, visit theinjuredlist.com.